This is a Care Chronicles podcast interview with Kim Best. Why are we perpetuating this terrible cycle of music therapists taking this kind of job, getting burnt out, and then having to pick up the pieces and that might mean leaving the profession or getting a different job or starting your own business. Um, And what I would love to see is fewer music therapists leaving the profession because of these experiences and actually just leaving the profession because they want to pursue something else. I'm like all for people leaving the profession if you want to pursue something else. I am not for people leaving the profession simply because you have a bad experience. Like what if we didn't have as bad experiences? What if it was set up differently so that you could avoid that thing um, and actually grow and learn and if you come to the place where you're like, I'm going to do something else, then you do that. And that's awesome. You're listening to The Care Chronicles, a podcast about self-care, health care, and everything in between. I'm your host, Trisha Coyote. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I'm currently pursuing my master's degree in mental health counseling. I'm also a creative, multi-passionate, nature-loving, many-water-sign forever student. Join me and guests on the show as we explore how we take care of ourselves and each other. to the Care Chronicles. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with me and Kim today on this podcast. Perhaps you have come from Kim's show after hearing our conversation or perhaps after hearing this conversation you will go to Kim's show to hear more because today Kim and I are talking about the controversial topic of subcontracting. Kim and I have both worked as subcontractors, specifically as music therapists. We have lots of friends and colleagues who have done the same, and we have yet to see this model work. So today we're diving into pros and cons of subcontracting, why we're finding that it's not working, and how Kim specifically is taking the initiative to change the subcontracting model to an apprenticeship model to hopefully make doing this type of work sustainable for music therapists individually, for our clients and the um, their need of care, and for music therapy as a profession. So stay tuned for this whole conversation. Um, I will be following up this episode with a chat um, on burnout and on why I left my music therapy job. Spoiler. So stay tuned for those. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss them. At one point in the show, Kim says, well, can you tell me more about what that looked like where I talk about kind of um, everything hitting me all at once and future episodes is where you're, you will hear more about that. So 
subscribe to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, Kim. So since we are planning to cross post this audio to start, will you introduce yourself to my listeners who may have not heard you or met you? Hi, everyone. My name is Kim Best. I uh, live and work in the Rochester, New York area, and I am the host of Not Your Average Music Therapist, a very fun podcast where we talk about controversial topics within the music therapy world and help you feel less alone. Today is going to be a great <laughs> example of that, oh, <laughs> and I'm so excited. Yes. Um, for your listeners, I'll introduce mm-hmm. myself. So I am Trisha Coyote. I am also a music therapist. I am currently wearing many other hats, which I'm going to get into on my show, so you can check out The Care Chronicles to hear more about that, um, previously named Music Therapy Chronicles, but again, because of some of these changes, it was time for the yeah, branched. Yeah. Yeah. It was time <laughs> for the out. show to change a little bit too. So, um, yeah, I run that. I am a Pisces and a forever student mm. and a self-care seeker. Mm, yeah. I love it. I love that title Thank you. so much. And that's perfect for this conversation because I think what we have both realized in our work is that um, there have been so many instances where that balance of self-care work-life balance was totally off. And sometimes you can make a small change and it works and it's helpful. Other times you have to make a huge change. Yeah. Leave the job, move across the country. Yes. To a different country. (laughs) That's not our experience, but just as an example. Yeah. So we're specifically talking about subcontracting, both mm-hmm. from the music therapy perspective. Um, I subcontracted as a self-employed person and also as an employed person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming from that perspective. Um, I don't know if you want to. Yeah. So I guess subcontracting is basically in its simplest form working under another person and it's working with contracts. So essentially where you as the clinician drive out to see people at a facility, at their home, at, you know, a day center. Um, and it's not that facility is not owned by your company or the person that you work for. Um, so yeah, when I did subcontracting, so I guess the way that I think about it, my first job, I don't know if I would call it subcontracting. It was, I was an employee of this, um, music therapy department of a music school. And, um, so I was an employee, but then they sent me out to their contracts. So I guess if you think about it, it is subcontracting. It just like confuses my brain to think about it that way. Yeah. And then, um, another job that I had was very strictly subcontracting. Mm -hmm. So I was working directly for another music therapist 
and I was taking on her clients and, um, I was not an employee with her. I was legit just a contractor and all of that info, you know, has to do with taxes and how you file taxes and all the businessy things that go with it. So whether you're an employee or a contractor, um, but you can do this contract style work or subcontracting work as either an employee or a contractor. So just to help yeah. the listeners understand, you know, what that setup is because it can get very confusing. Yeah. And I, I know I at least want to say that um, the stories I'm sharing today, I'm sure you can relate to this, um, are not necessarily reflective of any specific person or private practice mm-hmm. or anything like that. But we're talking about this today because there are so many specifically new professionals who get into a position where they're subcontracting. It may involve a lot of travel. It probably involves doing your own taxes, providing your own instruments, all that kind of stuff. And it's a very common model. And we both have yet to see it work in our own lives. And in every (laughs) single person we've ever talked to, we have not found an instance where this model is working. And so that's why we just Mm want to be open about that today. Um, and then get into what Kim's doing differently to make it work. Yeah. (laughs) Don't have to skip ahead of ourselves, but I mean, do you, I'm thinking like there are some pros, I think, to contracting, like things that I told myself Mm -hmm. for years we're outweighing the cons. So things like mm. um, as a self-employed person who is some contracting, I could not be told how to do my job, when or mm-hmm. where to do my job. I was kind of free to make my own schedule, not kind of, I was free to make my own schedule, to say no to things I wasn't comfortable with, to, you know, really call the shots because I was subcontracted mm-hmm. and not employed. Um, yeah. So okay. the private, That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. So the private practice I was mm-hmm. working through couldn't tell me how or when to do my job. They didn't have that legal right. Um, mm-hmm. And because of that, I had the freedom to make my schedule. If I had holes in my day, I could, you know, I was already driving around. I could go grocery shopping in the middle of the day. I had some freedom with that mm. kind of stuff. Uh, what else were some pros at the time? I know for me, one of the pros is just the variety. Yeah. Working with a lot of different people and working at a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like for myself, like I get bored easily, Mm. (laughs) which is just like a funny quality. Um, But that contract style work is so fun because it's like at 11 o'clock, I can see an older adult. And then at three o'clock, I can see a kiddo. And then at five o'clock, I can be working with a group of teens. You know, it's like all different and fun doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, sometimes that was a con for me. I so, know, right? Yeah, I feel like we're going to like really harp on the <laughs> yes. cons. So I just wanted to touch on some pros. Oh, and yeah. obviously over time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I found that those, those pros were not serving me anymore. So I don't know if you yeah. want to speak to any of that or share. Um, I think another pro is, um, so technically and legally as the contractor, you set your own rate. Mm. So that's a pro because you can make a lot more. Um, However, I'm like, should we get into the cons? Yeah. The con is that um, most um, private practices or independent music therapists that have subcontractors will just give you 
the rate that they're going to pay you, even though legally it's, it's actually you as the contractor who gets to set the rate. Um, and another, another pro, wait, where was I going with that? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, you get to set your own rate. Oh, I guess another con that's where I was going is that, um, you have to do your own taxes. I mean, we all have to do our own taxes. You have to pay um, taxes on the work that you do yourself instead of having it um, taken out of a paycheck. Yes. And that, all of that, that whole entire thing, um, the taxes and the money and the rate and that kind of stuff is so confusing as a new professional. It's like you haven't gone through the business 101 course on that info yet. Um, and so you kind of fumble your way, at least in my experience, you fumble your way through these, um, work experiences, not knowing better. And you may take a low rate by accident because in your mind, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. But then at the end of the day, you have to pay taxes on all of it yourself. And so it's not actually a lot of money. So all of that is so confusing. Um, and in a way it's predatory. And I don't think that's a reflection on private practices who use this model. It just is what it is. So I know as a new professional, I was coming out of internship and didn't have a printer. So I had my internship supervisor print my new contract for the job I was getting after internship. And so she saw my hourly rate. Um, she was in an employed position and my hourly rate as a subcontractor was at least twice what she got paid per hour as an employed person. So to her, she was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I can't believe, you know, this is what you're going to get paid. I, as a brand new professional was like, great, this is awesome. But there's this caveat, right? She was working 40 hours a week. It mm. was very hard for me to get 20 hours of yeah. contracted work a week, just based on how much I had to drive. Even after years and years and years of building up a caseload, getting 20 hours was really hard. And then hard to manage yeah. again because of the driving and everything. So even if you're looking at this number and it feels good, I say run it through some calculators, some comparisons about like what is this mm -hmm. going to mean in the end? Keep an uh, account for, again, like you said, paying your taxes. Also, all of your income is also you're a business if you're a self-employed person. So you're paying for gas, you're paying for your utilities at home, all of that's coming from the mm -hmm. same pot. And so it might seem like you're going to make even what an employed person might make, but in the end, a self-employed income, that's the same number as an employed income does not equal out. There's mm -hmm. like a very big difference there. And I don't have numbers off yeah. the top of my head, but I look into those numbers. I feel like I saw, yeah, I feel like I saw somewhere that it's like, the contract rate should be three times yeah. the amount of an employee rate yeah, that based on my experience, that, that feels right. The hourly rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> if you make $20 an hour at this one job, then if you do that same job contracted, you should be making $60 yeah. an hour or, you know, whatever number you want to put in there. Um, yeah. And that was not the case for, um, my subcontracting job. I was making, I guess I'll just put it out there at the time I was making $35 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there, 
The other thing is there were no other perks. So I had mm -hmm. another contracting style job, not subcontracting, but just contracting with an agency where they paid me around $35 um, an hour. However, they paid for my documentation time, my planning time, my meeting time, my driving time. And so all of that factored in wound up like working out great for me, mm -hmm. but this subcontractor job, I was only paid for the sessions. Exactly. Yeah. And it was not, you know, that's three times 35. So it's like 11.5 or something. Yeah. So that was essentially my hourly rate. Yeah, exactly. Which is under the uh, minimum wage, right? Yes. <laughs> Way under. Yes. So like, that's exactly oh, what I'm saying yeah. is I could mm -hmm. barely get 20 hours of client contact time, but was working way yeah. over 40 hours between client contact, driving, mm -hmm. documentation, planning, meetings, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. was not getting compensated for all of mm -hmm. that. And if I was, it, it certainly wasn't what it needed to be um, to make that sustainable and yeah. pay for health insurance. That's a whole other thing. I had no benefits in that position um, and health uh, insurance is not cheap. Yeah. And that's because mm -hmm. we have a broken healthcare system. We don't have to get into that, but you have to account for mm -hmm. those things. And if you're paying hundreds of dollars a month for basic <laughs> health insurance, that actually doesn't cover much. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to go into your plan. Right. Um, one of the other things that, that really, um, it was kind of a linchpin. Like once I found this out, I was out of this subcontracting, um, thing. I found out, and it wasn't like I was searching for this, but one of my um, clients or clients aid or family or whoever it was just happened to mention to me the rate that they were paying for the session. And I was like, what? It was more than half, more than half of, uh, sorry, I didn't say that clearly. My, the person that I was working for um, the music therapist that I was subcontracting with, that person was making more than half of the total. So, like I said, I was being paid $35 an hour. The session price was, I think it was $75 an hour, which is actually a normal rate. I think that's a great rate. However, with this model, it doesn't work out because I'm the one doing this client contact services. And I'm getting paid like less than half, mm -hmm. like how, how does that work out? And this other music therapist, and yes, she has responsibilities with the business, you know, all of her bookkeeping she did, she was the one to send out the invoices and the billing. Um, she was in contact with the facilities and whatnot. However, I was the one making the schedule. So there's still that. So there's some cost to having someone over the music therapist who's doing the work, but I don't think that rate is fair. I think it needs to be flipped. Like the person doing the services on the ground with the clients should be making like at least like 60 to 75% of that um, full rate. Yeah. And then the other person should be making the smaller amount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody deserves to be so, paid, but it needs to mm -hmm. be a sustainable model. And then you as the music therapist on the ground 
or at least me, when that was me, mm-hmm. I kept taking on more hours because I needed more money to live my life and then could not provide adequate services because I was burnt out. I was tired. I didn't have the energy or the focus to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. The other thing about contracting was people would come and go unexpectedly. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have say three hours in a certain town that's 45 minutes away from my house. So every day or every Tuesday, I'll, I'll drive out there and have three people, whatever, maybe one of them drops off and I suddenly have a hole in my day. I'm not making that hour's worth of money anymore. There's no one else mm-hmm. I can fit in that hole. You know, things like that would happen a lot. Um, and you have to yeah. plan for that. And that has to, unfortunately, all the other people you're working for have to compensate for the fact that unexpected things like that will happen. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that at least the rates I was being paid had all that in mind. And even when I took my first position, I worked with two private practices. Um, and I don't think they were really forthcoming with the amount of hours that I would be working and how low that would be and how much they would Mm -hmm. change. Um, and that there was no support from the private practices or guidance on how to handle that. And even if there was, having worked with them for a while, like it didn't feel, didn't feel good. Didn't Mm -hmm. always feel like they had my best interests in mind. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me with both of my contracting, subcontracting style jobs was the, support and guidance. So most of these private practices and these businesses that hire music therapists on contract and subcontracting, um, because of the business model and the low pay, inevitably the people that they hire or take on are new professionals and new professionals don't know as much as seasoned professionals know. And so, um, as a new professional, I, I guess, ignorantly expected support, supervision, guidance, like just simply conversations on the regular to like, make sure things are going well. And what questions do you have? What challenges are you facing? Um, and I did not get any of that unless it was like, a really bad situation or like a crisis. That's when I got some support. Excuse me. Um, but other, otherwise it's like, I was the one constantly having to seek out support. And then it's like, our schedules never lined up. And then like you were saying, the support that I got, it didn't feel like the support I needed. It didn't feel very genuine. And it was kind of like, okay, I'll give you this. I'll give you my time because you're asking for it. But like, I didn't feel that like gentle, loving presence of someone that you would want to supervise you. Yeah. So, okay. When I was like a brand, brand new professional, I, I'm a pretty independent person. And I thought that that would work for me. I was like, it's fine. I don't really need regular supervision. I can handle these things. I can figure them out. I like guns a blazing. Things will be different for me. I hear other people saying all these downfalls. Things will be different for me. And I will make sure they're different. 
So if you're a new professional or even not, if you're just someone who's subcontracting and it is working for you, great. I want to hear what's working. Please tell us. But if you if you're thinking like, oh, it'll be different for me, I would thrive in that environment. I will make it work. Gosh, I hope that's true. I hope that mm-hmm. you can make it work and that it your experience is different and someone out there has found a way. Um, I feel like that right there is like the mindset of every new music therapist, mm-hmm. is it not? <laughs> Which is why we get stuck in this trap. <clears throat> Yeah, like we have this feeling that we are superhuman and can take on anything. And I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Like we can achieve more than the folks before us, or we have more willpower or more like fortitude Mm -hmm. than all the music therapists before us as if we're not just as human as everyone else. And it's kind of like, you know, with these jobs and with our experiences, it's a reality check. Mm-hmm. There is a helicopter above me. I don't know if you can pick that up at just all. Barely. Um, but yeah, you kind of get hit with, oh, it's not as easy as I thought, or I don't have the same energy that I thought I would, or like this was hard for everyone else. And it's just as hard for me. Mm. And that's okay. It's okay to admit that you're human. (laughs) Oh, let's just all like sit with that. It's okay to accept that you're human and you are not above the rest of everyone who does this work. getting chills. Yeah. (laughs) I know leading up to my Mm -hmm. five-year mark, because that's kind of like the danger zone that we see in this profession. Um, Is it, is there like a, like, isn't the five, like the five-year mark is usually by the, when people leave, they're like, if they, if they don't last five, they don't (laughs) last past five years. Usually they leave, Mm -hmm. they leave in the first five years. um, Don't come back. I see. I'm not explaining this well. No, I got you. Like it, it, like if people are going to leave the field, it's most likely going to be within the first five years. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Um, and I moving up to that point was always like, ah, that's not going to be me. That's not going to be five years hit me like a train wreck (laughs) (laughs) so hard. And honestly, the biggest part was I had finally achieved what I thought I wanted. I was like, oh, I finally have this caseload I want. I'm driving a lot less. Things should be great. They should feel great. And I was like, but what about my life? I don't have any time or energy to live my life, to do the things that I want to do (laughs) because wait, your, your life isn't just music therapy. Oh my God. (laughs) Heavens no. (laughs) And that's coming from someone who had a music therapy podcast and (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. CMTE courses and yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just hit a breaking point where I was like, I, this is, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Can I ask you like what, what that looked like for you? What specifically? 
<laughs> the train wreck. <laughs> oh my gosh. All of it. This is why. So oh, I said this man. off recording that I'm going to have two episodes, I think preceding <clears throat> this one about oh, yes, the burnout about and it. spoiler mm-hmm. alert listeners. I left my music therapy job. Mm. I left it. Um, mm-hmm. I am no longer a full-time music therapist. And like, you know, (laughs) I had mixed feelings about that. I would love to still be doing music therapy full time, but the only options for me to do that weren't working. Um, Yeah. So yeah, you'll hear all about that, but (laughs) I can't wait. It's a whole other two episodes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But there were a lot of things. There were lots of red flags. There was lots of me just realizing things are not working. There was a lot of, I've grown Mm -hmm. as a person and I want to do more, do different, um, Mm -hmm. having, all the different types of places I was driving to used to really like fulfill me, but I was finding, um, you know, some days I was doing preschool, some days I was in high school, some days I was behavioral health, some days I was mental health, some days I was um, developmental health, like all that kind of stuff. I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to give each session the attention it deserved for that specific clientele because I was spread too thin. So even though I loved everything I did, I would just show up on autopilot and get through. Um, and that wasn't fair to my clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. One other thing that I thought of when you were talking was um, like, how do I say this? I was talking with my husband about this a few weeks ago. So when we think about like the workforce and we think about any given career, typically you start at the bottom level and you work your way up. So over time you become a manager or a supervisor or a director, and you kind of just like keep going up until, you know, whatever. Um, And with this style of music therapy job, there's no room for growth. There's no room for leadership. Um, that natural progression of, as you grow, you take on more or you change, or you do more supervision or directorial tasks. Um, there's just no room for that. And so like, if I think about it, what music therapist is going to stay in a job like this? I can't, I can't think about one music therapist who doesn't like have within themselves this capacity for growth and leadership Mm. that's that's who we are as music therapists and that's part of why I think we went into this profession is those personality traits um if you will and so as new professionals we don't think about that we don't even consider it because it's like we just need to get a job yeah (laughs) we just need to pay the bills because all of a sudden we are adults and we have to learn how to live on our own. Um, so we don't, we don't consider the implications of um, future and growth. And I think maybe, maybe to an extent we do consider them and we think, oh, this is just my first job mm-hmm. and I'll get a different job yeah. later on. But then if I think about the clients being served, if, if you always have music therapists who are thinking, oh, this is just a temporary short-time job, those clients are getting like, they're not getting the juice of being committed to a job and a place where you care for the people as long as 
you know, it ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. And so then because our jobs aren't sustainable and we leave them, the clients Mm -hmm. we're working with have a constant cycle of music therapists, which is not fair to them. And so this is, you know, also systematic in a way, um, you know, we would like more of those places that are contracting us to make positions that are part-time or full-time. And in a way, like, are we inhibiting that from happening because we keep pushing out contract professionals? There isn't one person there who's saying, Hey, I've been here Mm -hmm. one day a week for three years. Can we make it two days a week? Can we make it three days a week? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there, there isn't any growth in that way either, because the, just this yeah. model is not encouraging that. And also yeah, because a business like- owner isn't going to say like, Hey, Kim, you've been working here at this nursing home for two days a week for three years. I really think you should go ahead and try to make it a full-time position. And I will yes. take the cut in my income as a business owner to see you do that. If there's people out there doing yeah. it, saying that great keep doing it. Um, yeah, but we want your name. I don't see that. <laughs> I like, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Happen. Um, yeah. and I even had mm-hmm. contracts that I had been working for years sold from one music therapy, private practice to another, and were not offered to me. Oh man. Weird. Anyway, I don't know what it yeah. is. You want to talk about what you're doing differently? Cause I feel like, well, kind of like that. Yes. And just to that point, I feel like what's happening with everything that you just said is stifling the growth of the profession and the development of our work at these beautiful organizations that are probably like, after having a subcontractor there for one, two, three years, they're like ready, primed, and like willing to take on someone as an employee. And could you imagine like, if you're, if you're subcontracting and then you become an employee, you can then build a program you can then have documentation in their medical system or whatever system you can then be on the site and know the facility staff and the um, teachers and directors and whoever else it's like, so that was one thing that I realized and what caused me to go into business for myself was I was working at this. um, I was, you know, this contract style job um, subcontracting with this place and Um, I was at this one day center that I would frequent, um, maybe like once or twice a month, which is not, (laughs) not enough services for people anyway, um, in our classroom. So all of the regular folks in the class were just kind of running around and doing their thing. And it's like, they didn't even notice that I was there. They didn't give me the respect of, oh, this is a clinician here to do this service. Um, and then there was a student um, or client and their aide visiting from another um, agency. And this agency has a music therapy team. They have many music therapy employees. They have a um, developed program. It's like a beautiful, well-running thing, internship program, everything. And when I looked at that student and aid, they were making eye contact with me. They were fully focused. They were with me connected. The aid was supporting the client and playing the instrument. They were following like every instruction I gave. Meanwhile, the rest of the class is just mayhem. And, um, and so that was actually a turning point for me because I saw this, this night and day, um, response to music therapy. 
And I thought about it and I'm like, okay, all of my other students and aides and everyone else in the class, why, why, why is this happening? Why are they not focused? Why are they not engaged with me? And then this one student and aide, why are they engaged with me? You know, why are they focused? And I'm like, oh, over here, you have a contracted music therapist who's here like once or twice a month. You don't even know my name. I don't know your names. <laughs> it's like nothing is, is um, working and sustainable and regular. And then over here, you have these folks who have experienced a music therapy program and probably work with the music therapist regularly. And I was like, this is not okay. We need to change this model because these folks over here are not benefiting from music therapy. Um, and so that got me thinking, okay, we need to make sure that we are like working towards um, better relationships with facilities, mm. with contracts, with clients and aides and families and whoever else. Um, and part of that could be development work, trying to create a program over time. But I think the other part is just simply that you as the clinician are in contact with them. Yeah. You are the one who, ha who has the communication and there's not this like loop of people that they talk with to then get to you. If that makes sense. Totally. Um, I'm so sorry yeah, so you had that experience, that was a turning point. but uh, like that, yeah. what a wonderful way to just see that very black and white, what it could look yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so because of all of my experiences and I've had so many others that you can hear on my podcast too. Um, I was like, something needs to change. This is not working. And oh my goodness, the amount of music therapists, the number of music therapists I've talked with who have burnt out from this style of work, mm. subcontracting, contracting within a private practice, it's, it's astronomical. It's like literally every single music therapist I talk with mm -hmm. has gone through this. And I'm like, why, like, <laughs> why are we perpetuating this terrible cycle of music therapists taking this kind of job, getting burnt out and then having to pick up the pieces. And that might mean leaving the profession or getting a different job or starting your own business. Um, and what I would love to see is fewer music therapists leaving the profession because of these experiences and actually just leaving the profession because they want to pursue something else. Mm. I'm like all for people leaving the profession. If you want to pursue something else, I am not for people leaving the profession simply because you have a bad experience. Mm. Like what if we didn't have as bad experiences? What if it was set up differently so that you could avoid that thing um, and actually grow and learn? And if you come to the place where you're like, I want to do something else, then you do that. And that's awesome. Well said. Mm, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so having all these experiences and going through all of the challenges and the burnout and just the um, blood, sweat, and tears of subcontracting and difficult music therapy jobs. I never, ever wanted to have a subcontractor. I never, ever 
wanting to have my own business or start a, my own private practice. It's just like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, what the heck word am I thinking of? Um, aligned. Yeah. I'm thinking like, it wasn't an option. It wasn't mm-hmm. like in, in the, <laughs> in the, the, it wasn't even in, on my mind. Like it, it wasn't a possibility. Um, however, I got to this place where, um, I tried to pursue better work environments within agencies and organizations and it went nowhere. So like advocating for better pay, advocating for more hours as an employee, it went nowhere. And so I'm like, okay, well, I would also love to develop music therapy around town and it didn't work for me as an employee of this one place. So maybe it'll work for me if I just contract with these facilities. So then I started my own business, private practice, if you will, and um, started having all these contracts with organizations and families. And one of my big goals, so when I set out to have my own business, I had these three goals in mind based on all my experiences. Um, Okay, so the first one was um, create more jobs for music therapists. The second one was increase the rate of pay because I was paid very poorly for many years. And then the third one was um, support the community of music therapists. And so that first one, creating more jobs, I, I wanted to help develop music therapy in town and create these positions and programs. Um, and so I took on these contracts, but then um, very quickly after a couple of years of working, my caseload was like full to the brim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh shoot. What do I do? I have no time. Music therapy <laughs> isn't your life. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm always trying to break break from that feeling because I just I get very passionate about things and take on too much. Um yeah, so I'm like, what do I do? Because at this point, there were very few, if any, I think there may have been maybe one other person who was independently taking on their own clients in this area. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> what to do? Because I don't want to have to, um, pass on this client or contract and have the other, um, music therapy businesses, these private practice models with all the music therapy subcontractors and whatnot. I don't want them to get this client because this client is not going to be cared for the way that I want them to be cared for based on everything we talked about already. Um, and so I'm like, ah, but I don't want a subcontractor. I don't want an employee. I don't want to become the next music therapy business in town with, you know, five music therapy employees that I send out to contracts because it doesn't work and it didn't work for me and so many people. So then I had this light bulb moment And it was like, wait, what if you set up this subcontractor model thing? You had someone working for you with the clients that you can't get to, but you did it for a limited amount of time. And it was like, you know, the heavens opened, like, this is a possibility. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so 
the way that that I set this up and and it's still in in um process it's still in progress and so I set it up where this person will be my subcontractor they will take on clients that I either don't have time for anymore or new referrals that I just don't have time to get to um and they will do that for six months to a year. So far, the person that I've started this model with, um, she wanted to do it for a year. And we kind of reevaluated that at the half, half, um, half mark, half point, what the heck? Half, halfway, halfway. <laughs> yes. Halfway mark. <laughs> yes. And, um, and so in that time, the way that this is set up is me as the business owner, I get um, 60 to 75% of the rate that I'm charging the clients and the subcontractor, wait a second, I said that wrong. The subcontractor is making 60 to 75% of the rate that I'm charging um, the clients. And then me as the business owner, I am making 25 to 40% of that rate. And that's for the billing, the communication, um, that kind of a thing. And also with that 25 to 40% that I'm being paid from the client, um, I am using that money to provide coaching for the music therapist. And the beautiful thing about this model is this person, this music therapist is having regular coaching with me to build their own business, create their own thing, um, their own private practice, their own, their own thing. Um, so that at the end of our time together, they will have built a business, built a music therapy business. They will have learned how to run it, how to sustain it, how to get more clients, all that jazz, how to pay taxes. Um, And then the very special part of this, the golden ticket, if you will, and this is what my subcontractor told me at the end of our work together, um, this music therapist, when they're done, takes the client and that contract with them. Snaps all around, snaps all around. (laughs) I was trying to explain this to my partner and I was like, well, she's making this very Mm anti-capitalistic model. And at first oh gosh, he was really like, is. no, it's not. It's the same thing. And I said, no, because she's not seeing this as like, once I let go of these contracts, like I will have less pay or there won't be more coming in. There's no lack mentality. There's no hoarding of resources yeah. in what you're doing. It's a, in my opinion, fair, time limited, but like supportive, a supportive practice. And I can't wait to see mm-hmm. how it works. <laughs> Long yeah, term. yeah. Uh, yeah, it is very anti-capitalistic. I, yeah. In a capitalistic society. Yeah. And it's scary. Every time I give a contract to a subcontractor, I'm like, oh, is this gonna work? Am I gonna make enough money? And I was literally just thinking about this the other day because I have two people right now who are interested in subcontracting. And I'm awesome. like, can I handle this? Because I really do want to take them both on. And then like the very next day I had two referrals, Mm. two new referrals. And I'm like, okay, that's my answer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's, it's so, um, backwards from what the 
um, traditional, any really any traditional business model is because I am legitimately building my competition. Mm. <laughs> yes. yes. I, but I only see that as a good thing yeah. and I don't see it as competition. I see it as, okay, more people are serving this area and providing services to the people who need it because there will always be enough work to go around more than enough work. I feel like I hear people say that they say, oh, there's plenty of work. Like it's okay that this referral didn't end up with us. They ended up with so-and-so mm-hmm. they say that, but you're living it. You're showing it, you're embodying <sighs> it. And if nothing else, it allows for when referrals to come in, hopefully not everyone is at capacity and they won't have to go to yeah. another wait list. They'll get to go to another professional who is available. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like envision this five years down the road from now, all these music therapists will have been able to handpick the clients that they work with mm. and they do their specialty. Yes. They work with the people that they work with best. They provide the best services possible. So for me right now, if someone wants adaptive music, uh, piano lessons, I am not the music therapist for them. I barely, if at all, use piano. I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy playing it. So I can pass that on to someone who is a pianist and enjoys it and likes that adaptive lesson type of thing. Um, Whereas, you know, maybe five, 10 years in the past, I would have just taken them on because I needed the money. Yes. And then I'm stuck with this contract and this family trying to serve them when in my heart, I really don't want to. And then you're not providing the most genuine, loving, supportive services, Mm -hmm. you know, if you go into it with that mindset. Yeah. And the way you've set it up theoretically, all the music therapists in the area should have a connection point through you, if nothing else, but you'll all know Mm. each other a little better too. You've all kind of been in each other's world. So it's not like, oh, we know that so-and-so tends to work with this type of community because i um, from my experience, there was like a certain group I of clientele I was working with. And so I kept getting given mm-hmm. that thing, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted. Oh, yeah. But you know, I needed the work. I wasn't going to say no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to know like deep down, oh, Jenny's a really good pianist or Charlie really loves working with the autism community or to know that like for sure Mm -hmm. you're giving people the right referrals putting them in the right location yeah um yeah I'm just seeing that also just be a great supportive network of professionals long term where that Mm -hmm. competitiveness isn't is minimal I mean maybe it'll always be there Mm -hmm. again we live in a capitalistic society but (laughs) is minimal yeah yeah and it's really, really cool to give music therapists the opportunity to step into business when it has been a really, really scary thing. Mm. And it's this big unknown, like, how can I possibly have my own business? Because there's so, there's so many things to learn. Like, um, how do you set your business up as an LLC, sole proprietor, um, corporation, how do you file taxes? What do you need to keep track of mileage, expenses, deductions, you know, like all that stuff. How do you build a website? What do you need on your website? How do you figure out what your rate is? You know, like it's, it's so, it's like too much for a music therapist to dive into 
And plus, how can you possibly like have a full caseload while you are learning all this stuff? Mm. It's so incredibly difficult. Um, so being able to work with music therapists over months um, of time, and typically the way that it has worked in the past is this music therapist will have another job, whether it's part-time or full-time, and then they'll start working with me and take on like one or two contracts. And then over time, take on more either through my business or people that they found themselves. Mm. And then as they learn new things, as they um, take on new skills, then maybe like halfway through or near the end, then they start billing the families or yeah. the contracts. And then I'm there as the supervisor and the guide to take a look at their contract, to take a look at their um, invoice and say, oh, you know, tweak this or change this. Make sure you, you know, put your email on, on the thing or make sure you have your cancellation policy that's yeah. really clearly laid out so they don't have to go in alone. And they have that supportive presence that I and you did not have when we were kind of, you know, forced into starting our own businesses. Yeah. Um, there's another thing that I was thinking of with, with this conversation. Oh, I was just thinking I've heard from other professions, other fields that it's very standard for a new professional to shadow a seasoned professional for like the first year of their work. Oh, wow. I think I heard this through like a nursing, a nurse friend of mine, um, where your first job or your first year, whatever it is, you work alongside another nurse. And I don't know if that's true in many different professions. However, I thought it was so smart. And so like, oh my goodness, of course it's like, yeah, we have internship, but inevitably our first job is different from our internship. There are very few of us music therapists who go right from internship into that same company as an employee, because there just aren't enough jobs available. Um, so this is the perfect way to um, get that support that you need with a different clientele, a different facility. Um, and it's almost like a little bit of the handholding that you don't want to admit that you need mm. <laughs> as a new professional. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the model. Um, so far I have seen one music therapist through it and they have, um, so, so they've completely finished our program together and it was like an amazing experience because our last meeting that we had, she was like, Hey, can I ask you what you charge these clients for the session? And I'm like, Oh yeah, you want to, <laughs> you want to charge the same rate? <laughs> just like poking fun. And I'm like, yeah, totally. So I think with, with this person and it, the price might change depending on if the music therapist is really new or if they're kind of seasoned, you know, that five-year mark. So for this person, I was charging the client, um, a hundred dollars per session. And then I was paying the music therapist $75 for the session. So after her one year of working with this contract, they were able to say, okay, now I'm your primary 
you know, go to communication music therapist. I'm going to give you a new contract and it's the same rate as what you've been paying. But now this music therapist is making $25 more than what they were making subcontracting with me, which is big. (laughs) It was huge. And, And then here we are increasing the rate of pay for music therapists across the board. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to have, um, stumbled upon this new model and, um, with my next couple of subcontractors, I'm hoping to set up, um, a more systematic way of, um, coaching and taking on contracts so that we know, okay, our first month we're talking about business structure. Our second month, we're talking about taxes. Our third month, we're talking about contracts and legal stuff. And then from there we go on to marketing and website and networking and, you know, all the other things that you need to know as a business owner. Um, so hopefully in the future I can take this model and create it into like a workbook Mm. and pass it on to the other music therapists or have them pay me for it for them to then start this model in their state and their area and their town. And then we just build up the music therapy community and workforce. And already even just me having a big mouth (laughs) and talking with my friends and convincing them to go and do business by themselves, we have built the workforce here. And and now I have like at least five go-to music therapists that I can send my referrals to. Oh, I love that. Which is incredible. Um, and a lot of my friends have not gone through the subcontracting model with me. However, just that encouraging voice of you can do it. It's not as hard as you think. I will hold your hand. I will be there for whatever questions you want. You want me to look over your website? I'll be happy to, Hey, let's talk about our rate of pay. What if a family can't pay it? What do we do then? It's like all these questions Mm. we need each other to talk about this stuff with. And I don't feel like we have a safe enough space to do that yet but it's happening and we're going to see it. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yay. So thank you so much for having me on and, you know, sharing this podcast with my listeners too, um, to talk about this because I see so much potential. And like you said, anti-capitalist and, um, you know, we, I, I think this new generation of music therapists, we need to stand in our integrity that says we will support each other Mm. and we will do the greatest good with what we can. Yes. Claps, claps, claps. (laughs) Do you feel ready to do the rapid fire? Totally. Coffee or tea? Tea. However, I'm adding to my (laughs) previous answer because um, I've had a lot of trouble with any food or drink that has tannins. So Mm. tea, chocolate, wine, grapes, things like that. Um, and so the tea leaf, which makes up black tea, green tea, and white tea triggers something, an inflammation response in my stomach or something. And it just totally bugs my stomach. So now I'm not only drinking, only drinking tea, I've (laughs) kind of reduced it down to just herbal tea because Mm -hmm. herbal tea does not use the like actual tea leaf. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the tea I'm on right now. 
Love herbal tea. I have mint today. Oh, nice. Help my sinuses. <laughs> oh, explain. My windows are open just a little bit for fresh air. Okay, we're good. Okay, gotta get that fresh air. Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Night owl, perpetually. <laughs> there. And what's great about having your own business and subcontracting and making your own rate. Oh, one thing I wanted to add to my subcontracting model. I think I'm going to change the name. I think I've already like decided this. Not, I think it is going to be called the apprenticeship because I don't want it to be thought of as subcontracting. Mm. And it, it really does feel right to be like apprenticing another music therapist. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to your question, (laughs) um, night owl. And what's great about having your own business, setting your own schedule, all that jazz you get to say when your first session of the day is. So if you are a night owl and you are terrible with mornings, like I am, you can set your first session to 10, 10 10.30 or 11 o'clock. That's actually all of my first starts of of my weekdays, Um, my earliest session. Sometimes I'll have a 9.30 session, but typically my earliest session is 10 o'clock. Yeah. Your favorite way to care for yourself. Um, so recently I've discovered that I need space and time before seeing another human being or talking with another person after the end of my work day. Mm. So I, I kept realizing, like I would get home and try and talk with my husband and I was just like irritated. And I'm like, why am I irritated? I love him. I'm excited to see him. Like I want to be with him and spend time with him now, but I just didn't have the energy. So my favorite new way of caring for myself is having an hour in between work and socializing or being with family or whatever else, um, just for me to -hmm. decompress and reconnect with myself. Typically it's in silence because my ears need a break too. So that's, that's my, uh, newest, best way of caring for myself. Yeah. I see my afternoon walk as that, like oh, that buffer I love time. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Favorite way to care for others. Um, recently it's been, um, encouraging texts. So I have mm-hmm. some younger adults that I'm friends with who, um, need a little, extra care in their day-to-day because they're doing all the new adulting things for the first time, Mm. getting your first apartment, paying your bills yourself, trying to find a job, doing interviews. Um, And so my way of caring for others, at least in that context, is sending encouraging texts and being that person that they can reach out to if they need, you know, some support. That's lovely. Good on you. <laughs> Something that's currently adding value to your life. Flowers. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've seen all your posts. For those flowers. of you who have not seen <laughs> my posts yet yes. and who are not on this video call with us, I am showing um, Trisha my bouquet, my current bouquet. I love it. They Did are you from pick those. What's that? Sorry. Go ahead. Where are they? Oh, from? they're from um, a farmer's market. So a local farm 
and mm -hmm. these are peonies. And then I really don't remember what these ones are, but they're like a beautiful white um, bell shape with a bright yellow, um, whatever the thing is with the pollen in the middle. <laughs> and they're just so pretty. And um, I just love watching the flowers open up and unfurl. It's just, oh, so fun. So yes. Lovely. <laughs> Something you would tell your younger self. Um, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Yeah. It's okay to not give your all to everything. Mm. I am definitely um, a people pleaser. I want to say a recovering people pleaser, but I don't know if I'm recovering yet. <laughs> I'm in the process. <laughs> working on it. Yeah. Working on it. And um, not only that, I, I um, set myself at such a high standard. And I think that's very true of a lot of us music therapists. Like we were straight A students. We were the, we got the gold stars in our classes. We were the ones, you know, that the teachers use as examples. Um, and I'm unlearning that to say, hey, it's okay if I just give like 70 to 80%, because that 70 to 80% is actually really good. And that's enough for the client. That's enough for me. That's enough for me to do my job. And it was really validating because I heard a, um, there's this one podcast I listened to about planning mm. and the host of the podcast is, um, a pediatric, uh, endocrinologist. And she usually talks about paper planners and digital planners and all things planning. And then this one episode, she talked about her professional life as a doctor and, um, how she does documentation and how she keeps it efficient. And I was like, oh my gosh, let me hear this podcast episode. And one of the things that she talked about was <clears throat> doing um, C level documentation, mm -hmm. like C is in the grade, the grade level. Um, she's like, if I did a plus level documentation, I would have no time to see all of my other patients Yeah, and no one needs that much information. And is anyone really looking at it? Hmm. So uh, having that, um, podcast episode from her and then talking with my therapist about this. And she was like, Kim, okay. Your homework is to, um, what did, how did she say this? She was like, I want you to do things not perfectly, imperfectly this week. I want you to like do things messy or like not be very good at things. And that's really hard for me. It's like going into something, knowing that I'm not going to give my best, like, wait a second, what? <laughs> so, um, all of that has been a really big life lesson the past year or so to not give my best, because if I give my best. I don't have anything left to give myself mm. and then I'm not giving my best anyway to other folks. Yeah. So I need to only give like 70%. So I have that extra 30 for myself, for my family. Um, and you know, the percentages don't really mean anything and they don't, 
they're not actually cut and dry like that, but <laughs> you get what I mean. <laughs> I do. Yes. I think that's a good one. More people need to hear that. Okay. The toughie, please reintroduce yourself without using any words or phrases that describe how you care for others. Oh, how I care for others. So nothing like mother, teacher, compassionate, nothing like that. Just who are you? Mm. So I'm Kim. I am goofy and silly with those who I feel comfortable with. Um, I am creative with words and with paper <laughs> and currently with embroidery, with thread. And um, I love seeing beauty in the simple parts of everyday living. Mm. I feel like that was kind of similar to my last, my last one, but that's okay. But my last changed one, as a person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my last one took me a lot longer to like find. And I'm like, you've oh, had practice. Yes. I know myself now. This is good. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a good practice for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Um, the best place is on Instagram at Kimberly Jane best. I wish I could just have the handle Kim best, but someone else has it. Um, so Kimberly Jane best, my full long name. Um, and I would love for you to listen to the podcast if you're interested. Um, so my podcast is, uh, not your average music therapist. And on Instagram, that's at music therapist pod. Um, and there are other ways to, to connect with me and find me and um, soak up all the words that I've put out into the world. So that's my website, um, kimbest.com. And there are some resources up there for music therapists and some blogs up there for anyone who wants to read them. Um, and then my husband and I also launched um, some products this, this year. Um, so we've got some stickers, I have washi tape for anyone who's a crafter like me. And, um, we have t-shirts that say music can help. And it's like the perfect, it's the perfect t-shirt for, um, any music lover. And especially those who work in a, um, helping capacity with music, mm -hmm. like music therapists. Um, it's a perfect conversation starter. It's a perfect marketing tool. It's the perfect uniform for jobs too. It's like, it, it fits perfectly. So I would love for you to check those out if you're interested. And if you um, can't afford a t-shirt or um, you want to save it for a different occasion, we do have stickers that also say music can help. So check those out. And um, that's on the website. And also our Instagram is at music can help. And I think, I think that's about it. Um, oh, the other random thing, if you're a music therapist in the state of New York, we are forming the New York State Association for Music Therapy, um, which is going to be a state association to support all of us in this state. Many other states have um, a localized association like this, and New York State has not had one until now. So check us out. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, our Instagram, if you're on Instagram, is at NY Music Therapy. And then we also have a Facebook page. Um, I think it's just called that, that full name, NYSAMP, New York State Association for Music Therapy. So anyway, shout out to New York State Music Therapists. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to see what you change over there. 
and for your listeners, um, I am care dash chronicles on all the things care dash chronicles.com care dash chronicles on Instagram. Um, email is hello at care dash chronicles.com. And I would just like to ask you, how would you introduce yourself without any of the, what did you say? Like the caring words, like how you feel others. I would love to hear that. Okay. So, <laughs> so I totally intro, put you on the spot. Right? That's okay. They're in the intro. Cause I like wrote a list, oh, right? Do I have yeah. that list in front of me? No. No. Um, okay. Good. On the spot. <laughs> so I'm Trisha. I am a multi-water sign. So lots of Pisces, Ooh. Scorpio, Cancer. I am a forever student. I am a nature lover. Um, and I am a creative person and I love books. Oh, I love it. <laughs> what, what's, do you mind sharing like what book or books you're currently um, reading? Books. Books. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm reading The Financial Anxiety Solution by oh. Lindsay Bryan Podvin. I'm reading Letting Go by David Hawkins. Oh. I'm reading the second volume of um, Laura Olympus, Laura Olympus, which is a graphic novel. Oh, cool. And what's the book I just finished? Um, I just finished Rage by Cora Kermack. Oh, so that's a mix awesome. of fiction and nonfiction for you. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for all of the suggestions for anyone <laughs> needing a suggestion of what to read next. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lots of options there. I love it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you got a lot out of my conversation with Kim. If you have worked or are working as a subcontractor and it's not working out for you, I hope this conversation makes you feel less alone because even though this model is very common and quite standard specifically as music therapists, it is also very common that it doesn't work. So we should probably be doing something to change (laughs) this widespread model. If you are a subcontractor that it is working for, I would also love to hear from you to just find out what you're doing that's making it successful because we can all learn a lot from that as well. If you're interested in hearing more on my personal experience with subcontracting and uh, why I ultimately left that type of setup, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss that. Um, If you're new from Kim's show, hi and welcome. Please follow us online and on social media at care-chronicles. I appreciate you so much for being here today. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.